Hey listener, thanks for being here. I'm Ludo. And I'm Marge. And this is Speak It Out, a podcast by Shrink It Out. Here, we tell your stories and share our thoughts and encourage debate on psychological and social well-being. Hello everyone and welcome back to Speak It Out. I'm here with a new member of uh, Shrink It Out called uh, Georgia. I'm very happy that uh, you're here and would you like to introduce yourself a little? Hello, my name is Georgia and I studied psychology in Greece. And now I'm in the end of my master in clinical psychology. And currently I have been doing my internship in the psychiatric clinic of General Hospital of Corfu. And also I'm planning to start my training as a cognitive behavioral therapist in order to be a licensed psychotherapist. And I'm so grateful to be here with Maria in this podcast. It's so nice to have you and very interesting to hear all the cool things that you're doing at the moment. Um, and yeah, since like the very first day that you joined us, you proposed so many uh, cool topics and uh, yeah, we're very grateful to have you also. If you haven't checked out her articles, uh, please do because um, she writes very well. Um, yeah, so today we're here to talk about a very uh, talked, quite known topic, I think. People talk about it a lot. Maybe they don't really know what it is, but it's in the mouth of a lot of people, and we're going to talk about the ego. Um, yeah, so a small introduction before um, we delve into it. Um, we're going to talk about um, whether the ego actually exists, uh, what it is, uh, how it develops, and specifically also what um, ego defenses we have, like defense mechanisms. And we are going to end uh, talking about how to let go of the ego in case we realize that we want to let go of it. <laughs> so if we first talk about whether the ego exists, I believe there are very mixed opinions, and I uh, think it depends on the school of thought that you um training as a therapist but also I guess in your personal stance on it um generally more like um short term and evidence-based um therapy um styles for example CBT uh, which stands for cognitive behavioral therapy which does not have to be short term but is more of a like concrete pragmatic uh, approach do not really talk about the ego or uh, maybe also do not really believe in the existence of an ego um, because there is more of a focus on like core beliefs and how our beliefs are formed by our actions there's not uh, and our experiences and it's not very like uh, it doesn't go in the subconscious it stays in what is uh, in our awareness zone um, well, other approaches, for example, the psychodynamic approach, um, do uh, believe in the existence of an ego, and yeah, we're gonna see uh, what it what this means. Okay, sorry for talking this much. Um, so I now want to ask you: Do you believe an ego exists? What is uh, your stance on it? So actually, yes, I really think that uh, the ego exists, but. Maybe even if we are not conscious of it, like we always carry this with us. And I would really like to explain what the ego is. 
and it's more like the sense of self like who we think we are it's like our identity and how do we build our ego identity so i will start like from a really significant period of our lives when we are children and more precisely when we are infants uh, for instance, when we were born, we could not distinguish between ourselves and the world. We could not realize what makes us different from our surroundings, and we didn't not we did not have an identity yet. Uh, so, between the first and the second year of our life, our cognitive capacity increased, and we started to recognize the different roles in interpersonal interactions. We start to like separate ourselves from our parents, maybe even ourselves in the mirror. We start to realize like our role in the con contest. So since we were children, we have built our identity and our self-image from our experiences, from what we were told by our parents, peers, teachers, society, and so on. For instance, if we were accepted, loved, and appreciated for, for what we were, we probably built a strong self-concept and self-esteem. But on the other hand, if our parents were never satisfied, and if we learned that we are not enough, we probably built a weak self-concept and self-esteem. And as a result, our ego identity started to subconsciously use defenses to protect us from getting hurt. Like, for instance, if something happened and threatened our identity or decreased our self-worth, we used to raise our walls and use our defenses in order to be able to deal with the situation, with our feelings and with the pain. Yeah, so it, it sounds like the ego is built as a protective mechanism um, to our our vulnerabilities, uh, especially when um, we perceive like we have a, a, an unstable sense of self, uh, like a, yeah, a sense of who we are and we have a lot of insecurities, then we perceive um, actions around us as potentially more threatening than, uh, uh, than if we would uh, have a very stable sense of self. And in that case, the ego is activated um, to protect us from our um, self-concept being uh, like crumbling into pieces or yeah as you said also uh, us maybe telling ourselves that our insecurities are actually true and that what we've heard from other people um, is true you know um, yeah so that's very that's very interesting I think like it can be very functional and helpful sometimes but mm -hmm. truth be told like when we use it like too much in uh, dysfunctional ways it can also like affect our lives in a very negative way when we talk about like um building um our like identity and uh thus also the more ego-oriented parts of ourselves um you mentioned for example parents um the role of parents and our upbringing what are other factors that like that you can imagine influence uh, the building of our identity and thus also the ego? So in my perspective, it could be like a combination of factors. First of all, like, of course, our like tem temperament could be like very important. Two similar situations could be perceived in different ways from two different persons. 
but also I think like it's about the peers, for instance, like in the elementary school, um, like when children um, deal with bullying, for instance, they really learn that maybe they are not enough, maybe something is wrong with them, maybe they can't make friends. And I think it's a combination of everything, like of all of the factors. Um, my friends were the most important, like, influence in my life when I was a child. I could really see myself important through my friends' eyes. So do you think they contributed to, like, lessening your ego or to increasing your ego defenses? So it's also very interesting because it's, like, both, it's both sides. I mean, like, we could see it in both ways because for instance until I was 10 years old I was very satisfied with my friends and everything but then I changed school and I was like the new student so it was a year that I didn't have friends and I was in a new like um, school with new uh, peers and they were together like for many years and I was the new uh, child so this is a year in my life that I think it was like uh, my ego um, became very weak. But then, like, because I think I had um, good roots from my family, from my previous friends, I could, like, deal with it in um, a good way. What do you think about this? Yeah, I agree. Um, I do I do see, the, like, the influence of peers as very important and I kind of can relate to what you're saying in terms of that I also changed schools a lot and depending on uh, my circle of friends I really felt like my self-concept especially when you're um, young really depended on whether I belonged to a certain group of friends or whether I felt more of an outsider or things like that. Um, I also um, grew up with uh, parents with whom I have a very str uh, like strong bond and relationship but for whom that kind of had certain expectations of me and um, I think some of my feelings of like not getting uh, not f uh, not feeling enough or like uh, insecurities I have do derive by my perception of not being able to meet this these expectations I do not really hold any resentment um towards it because I know that this wasn't their intent um but yeah I, I do think that if I rationally look at it um this must have been have uh contributed um but yeah so like when we talk about um ego defenses uh what do we mean and what uh what defenses are there so we like really use the word um truth be told in our everyday life i think we use the word defense a lot and i think it's very interesting like to dive more in this subject so as we said about the ego um, and about our identity like there are so many things that are painful to us and that we don't want them to be truthful so every time we deal with a situation um, that triggers like all those thoughts about what could be truthful about ourselves, we use our defenses in order to avoid the pain and in order to make it better. So it's like what we really do in order to make a situation like uh, easier for us to deal with it 
and in order to avoid pain. And um, in other words, our subconscious mind um, employs these operations to protect our conscious mind from emotional pain. Uh, the defense mechanisms can be very helpful in allowing us to cope with a traumatic event, but at other times they may just be a means of self-deception. So the most uh, important thing to realize about the defenses is that they are maybe maladaptive ways of dealing with the world and with ourselves. But they definitely are psychological strategies that help us deal with the uncertainty uh, of existence. For instance, every time we feel frustrated about something or every time somebody says or does something that attacks our self-concept, like who we are, we might immediately raise our walls to protect ourselves from what we are afraid of being true about ourselves. I think this relates to a topic that we are the, we addressed Ludo and I um, in a previous episode. I think it's called uh, fear of rejection or fear yeah fear of rejection. And we were talking about like these defenses uh, more in a side of like covering our upper fears, uh, but it, like these ego defenses are different but still similar in the sense that they're yeah they're to like protect us from possible pain, possible, um, yeah, to make things easier, as you said. Today, we, we can talk about, like, the three main uh, common subconscious ego defense mechanisms, which are rationalization, projection, and repression. Do you want to start by explaining what rationalization is? Yes, of course. Rationalization, like, it's something we do so often, and we are not even aware of it. So when our ego uses this defense mechanism, we justify our wrong actions by providing reasons that seem reasonable. If we were unable to achieve something, then instead of admitting that we failed and hurting our ego, we might say it wasn't worth it anyway. I will also mention like an extreme example that is used commonly by older people. For instance, when a guy rapes a girl, we often hear that the girl like wore very provocative clothes or that she walked alone at night. This is a kind of rationalization, like, okay, so it was rational to happen because she was on her own, for instance. So this is like a clear example of victim blaming and how victim blaming is uh, just a rationalization that makes us feel more protected because if we can reasonably explain why someone was in a certain situation then we know we think we know how to act in a way that does not cause this to ourselves or to people around us but it's clearly a protection mechanism exactly Mm -hmm. and i think we also do it in relationships but this can be also like very helpful like when we break up with somebody and we thought that he or she is the one we might like say to ourselves like oh it wasn't worth it anyway no it he wasn't the one for me um, in order to protect us from, like, from the pain, and this could and be very helpful. Yeah, and also finding some like rationality. I think it's a thin line between like finding rationality in um, the things that happen to us and like trying to look at maybe the brighter side of things, 
and trying to rationalize things. And I think this line stands in the sense that when we're able to admit, okay, this is what happened wasn't what I wanted, like a relationship ended and I'm very sad about it. And I really would want to be with this person. However, I can also look at all these rational sides and uh, understand that I can tolerate this uh, this situation, then that's perhaps a healthier way of, of uh, posing the thing instead of like neglecting our feelings and just uh, saying like all the good things that have derived for, from a certain situation. Yeah, I so agree. I also like do this so much. I always rationalize everything because I always want a reason for something, but yeah. it's not like always, like sometimes the situation is like, it is what it is. <laughs> like yeah. it hasn't yeah, had to be something like behind all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I also think I really, I think rationalization is probably the defense mechanism I engage in the most. And I think it's also like some sort of um, strategy to, that occurs a lot when people are not that good at tolerating negative emotions, which I also think that's the case for me. Um, and I feel like I always try to like avoid feeling pain and negative emotions. And I do this by always trying to make things as rational as possible and uh, trying to focus on things. Like kind of, I tell myself stories and like I change the narrative of things so that I do not, that I avoid being in pain. Um, That's a very good self-reflection, I think. And <laughs> it could be like, also like, I think, um, be connected like to your past about what you said before about your ego and about like, that sometimes like your parents had so many expectations of you and like you always wanted to be right, probably. So it could be connected like to your present like tendency of rationalize a lot about everything. I also noticed I did this uh, when I was talking about my parents because I was like, yeah, but also it's not like they did it. You know, like I realized that it wasn't their intent, which is true. And I think, I mean, it, it can be a quality and a curse. I, I definitely. Uh, it's like, mom, if you like hear me, like I really justify you. <laughs> I really love you, mom. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I think the second uh defense mechanism is also very common and this is not i think very helpful most of the time is projection and it's when we attribute unwanted emotions we don't like to someone else rather than admitting that something exists within us it includes blame shifting and falsely accusing others for instance, when we blame other people, um, things um, or situations for the misery we may be going through, like it's always not our faults, but somebody's uh, somebody else's faults. Also, it's like when we attribute our own negative thoughts and feelings to others, and it's so like um, surprising that we are not even aware of it. Yes. Um, for example, um, many people who are afraid that they will cheat in their relationship, they get super jealous and they are constantly afraid that their partners will cheat on them. Um, just because they 
they are afraid of themselves. They think that the other person will do the same. So they project like on others what they are afraid of themselves. And yeah, definitely. I think we also talked once about projection and displacement. Um, these are different because projection is actually like shifting the blame onto another person and like falsely accusing them when uh, because we don't want to accept that we're the one uh, who has to be held accountable. And then displacement is just kind of like putting the negative emotions onto them. Like, for example, reacting very aggressively to someone um, because we're frustrated and we just like take it out on them. Um, but both of them are ways to like kind of release the tension that we feel when we maybe feel under guilt or like um, we have negative feelings about ourselves. Um, do you feel like you project a lot on people around you? So not exactly. Like I wouldn't say that I project like something negative to others, but what I'm doing is like I project my mood. For instance, if I am in a bad mood, I think I can see like also the others being in a bad mood or I feel something is wrong, wrong with somebody just because I feel sad. I think that mm -hmm. they are also sad. Or um, if I'm very happy, I also feel that everybody's very happy and everybody's so adorable. So I don't really project, I think, like, um, for instance, I don't like feel that the others are critical of me or I don't project like jealousy or something like this. But like mostly I project like um, sadness or happiness, I think, to others, like comparing to how I feel. Yeah. What about you? Um, I think I used to maybe do it more when I was younger. Maybe sometimes I do displace, like, especially I think it's common when someone is very close to you. So I like my sister, for example. Um, I wouldn't like do it with someone that is not like my closest person ever. For example, I don't really do it too much with my friends except for like one very very oh except for Ludo you know her. <laughs> um she like yeah with her sometimes I do do it um but I must say I don't do it all like I'm not a person who frequently projects their emotions uh because also when I'm in um not in a good place also with myself I tend to like withdraw to prevent that I like that I project and then I put this on into other people so that's kind of my defense mechanism. Of course, it doesn't have to go to a great extent that you like completely withdraw because it's also important to share your emotions and stuff like that. But I feel like, yeah, sometimes when I don't feel like I have the mental energy to be constructive to someone, I'd rather be quiet. And then um, when I do feel like I can handle my ego a bit better, then I, I confront them in a more constructive way. Yeah. I really get your point and that's true like we always like need a measure <laughs> I mean yeah. it depends on the situation on the person and on many factors like yeah and what do you think about repression the third mechanism what, what is this about the repression I think it's like the hardest mechanism because we are not like it's so subconscious and it's the subconscious rejection of negative thoughts, emotions, and experiences, which results in them getting pushed out of our conscious mind. And they like are pushed into 
our unconscious mind. So I think it's a very hard like defense because we are no longer able to recognize our inner like feelings and thoughts. And we can't recall like maybe sometimes what made us um, feel like sad or um, anxious. But the thing is that do you think like all those thoughts and feelings that we repress are disappeared? What do you think? I think there's a lot of mixed um, thoughts on this topic. Uh, and we did post an article once, I think Luda wrote it on suppression versus repression. Um, I do, I'm more with them, like the schools of thought that believe that repression does not exist to a huge extent in the sense that I do not truly believe that, especially, except for like things that happen maybe in childhood when your memory is not well consolidated yet. Um, I think it's very hard for someone to make those memories completely disappear. Um, they will present themselves in some form of like uh, even just of dreams and um, or like some way that we may not recognize, but um, I think they do stay there. So, um, yeah, I do not believe that you can fully repress your feelings to the point that they disappear in that sense. Okay, so considering that we took more of a negative stance in terms of what the ego is and the defenses that it uh, brings us and the defenses that it brings us, um, I was wondering uh, why you think it's important uh, that we let go of the ego. So I think even though like the ego can be very helpful sometimes, it can also create a big barrier between like us and the people around us because like most of the times it leads in uh, miscommunications for instance about the projection let's say that we project like all of our flaws to others and then we can't have a healthy relationship because not only we're not aware of ourselves but we cannot accept also the others like as they are but we are always complaining about them. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think like the path towards self-awareness is in a way like trying to uh, let go of like all of these barriers and all of the things we tell ourselves and we tell others in order to not um, accept that we have insecurities. And I think it's important to say like, we're talking a lot about people who tend to have a weak self-concept and how um, they may have like higher, uh, ego, higher, higher level of ego defenses. But I also think that it's normal for people to have uh, an important, like a, a significant amount of ego defenses inside of them. And I think that it's up to everyone to try to work through them and try to like um, break these barriers um, it doesn't like necessarily mean that you must have had the hardest childhood ever and be bullied and like have had gone through very terrible experiences. It's just that mm, people in general tend to be like uh, that to push away negative feelings and uh, to push away negative beliefs about themselves. So I also think, yeah, it, it should be normalized the idea of people having this prominent ego in themselves, but it also should be, uh, in my opinion, an important goal of everyone to try to uh, like combat against it. 
I also think the same. And I think like the more like we use our ego, like the more we take things personally and we think that it's everything about us and that mm -hmm. everything is about like our flows and about um, how we are. So I think yeah. it's very important to let go and we will free like we will feel so much more free and our original selves and like more I think happy in the end. Yeah. And so what are ways in which we can let go of the ego? Like how do we let's say I've decided I want to let go of my ego, should I how should I go about this? So the ego can be very hard to see because it hides behind opinions that appear true and because we simply haven't practiced looking. But I think, first of all, we have to make our ego defenses conscious. And this can happen just by noticing certain thoughts and feelings. For instance, some common automatic thoughts. And when I say automatic, I mean those thoughts that they come and go so quickly for instance oh nobody likes me I will never be successful enough as a friend um, I'm not enough um, I cannot be loved my partner will never understand me if we get like to notice these thoughts we could like realize like what ego defenses we use and like we could like see like the way we see the others like through ourselves and so I will also like say like um, another way that we could like uh, first of all like um, reveal our self uh, defense mechanisms, and it's also like by trail our emotional reactions. For instance, when we are like mad at our partner or at our friends, or when we feel like a need to be always right when we feel insecure in certain situations or jealous. So these times we could like take some time and like, first of all, label our feelings and realize like where we are right now instead of reacting immediately through a defense. But now I will say like the ways that you can like really achieve this. And I will say for like easy ways, that they could be helpful in order to let our ego go. So being mindful, I think it's a good way to let go of your ego. Uh, more precisely, uh, every time we feel sad, mad, frustrated, instead of reacting impulsively, we could take a few minutes to call by sitting with ourselves and reviewing the situation. Uh, we could try to take, like, for instance, some breaths. And I know it sounds basic, but it really helps to stay in the present moment. And we could may, like, ask ourselves, am I really angry, sad, or mad right now as an effect of the situation or because of what the situation has triggered inside me? Like, instead of maybe repress our feelings and thoughts and react immediately, we could, like, do a self-reflection and we could try to see the situation from a different perspective in order to be more conscious because like I think we always regret the things we do and say impulsively but we never regret the things we did like after some like maybe after like spending some time with our thoughts and feelings and self 
what do you think about mindfulness and letting go of our ego? Yeah, for sure. I I definitely agree. And um, I think it's it's something very hard. And sometimes we don't want to be that person who's always like super calibrated and uh, responds to everything um, by taking time for themselves. And it's always like, you know, I think also thinking that we can always be this type of person is idealistic. There will be times that we just reply impulsively and that we do not act in a super uh, well thought through way and that's also okay but in general it is more uh useful to to be mindful to stay in the present moment and to mm, look inside um I think this really made me think of especially when you talked uh, when you asked the question um am I actually sad right now or is this like am I sad because of the situation or because this triggered something inside of me this uh, really reminded me of the podcast episode I listened to once. It's in Spanish, unfortunately, so I don't know. Only people who uh, speak Spanish could uh, perhaps listen to it. Uh, it's called uh, Cuerpo de Dolor. And it really, it talks about like um, how our past experiences, uh, the tr especially traumatic experiences that we've gone through, stay within us and are then triggered um, by certain situations and uh, when we react to that to that situation so it's impulsively it's not actually us reacting to it but it's that body that went through the trauma and that um yeah just had a very um painful experience reacting for us like we're we're evoking that part of ourselves and we're triggering that part of ourselves and I feel like um uh, that's very interesting definitely and um what about um other strategies uh, other than mindfulness? So I think um, the second strategy, I think it's very hard because it's more about acceptance. And if we could accept, like if we accepted our partners as individuals with separate cognitions, emotions, behaviors, and experiences, um, letting go of your ego, I think it's also about accepting the fact that the other person's feelings are just as important as your own feelings. This means trying to see our partners as different and special human beings with different cognitions, feelings and ways of acting without necessarily connecting them to us. For, for instance, every time our partners desire to go out with their friends to a party without us, we could try to accept and respect it as something that has to do with their desire without meaning that we come in a second place. For, uh, this would definitely result in a healthier relationship with our partners and with ourselves trying to accept each other as whole and different individuals with different like histories and like different uh ego like different mechanism i think it's it's uh it's hard but it's a necessary step and i also think it's especially hard when you bottled up a lot of things for a long time um if like since the beginning you try to um have uh, as soon as there's a problem in the relationship not necessarily romantic but any type of relationship that you may have um and you like communicate your feelings openly and you uh, like kind of, yeah, initiate a com like uh, enable a space in which also the other person feels free to do the same, then it's easier to like 
feel compassion and feel uh yeah give importance to the thoughts and feelings of other people uh whilst if you uh engage in that ego response or perhaps kind of like uh repress your feelings for a long time and uh suppress your feelings sorry for a long time then that may be a harder thing to do what about uh comparing comparing yourself to others how does that play into possible solution to or stopping to compare yourself to others yes okay so many times i think um we feel very frustrated because we did something for the other person and we really think that we did like everything right but our partners like don't reciprocate the feeling or the action or they don't uh, they don't do the same for us um let's like go deeper for instance um sometimes we open ourselves to somebody and we say like so many deep things about ourselves but they don't like use self disclosure and then we feel like maybe stupid or that why did i do it i talk too much maybe i shouldn't like trust so easily and this is when we compare i think ourselves to others yeah for sure like um i think we tend to think that the way we do things is how they should be done and that to an extent to make sense cuz we only get to experience ourselves um in first person so yeah like i think this is something i really realized along the way when i especially maybe in the context uh both of very like close friendships and uh in romantic relationships um that everyone expresses things in a different way and everyone has different timings for when they can open up and also different like uh levels of depth like some people are not simply not as introspective and not that does not imply that they are like less smart than, than us or that they um are being like closed off they simply um live their life in a way that is not overly analytic of their um their state inside of them and as long as that suits them and as and as long as they are accepting of us being instead more introspective and feeling the need of uh self analyzing more and like talking about your our feelings more than that should be perfectly acceptable um so yeah exactly and i think it's more about like um self acceptance the more you accept yourselves the more you get to know yourself and the more you get to know like how your core beliefs how your past how like your surroundings are connected to you Definitely. and i think in order to let go like this habit like the previous steps are very important because first of all i think you get you must like get to know yourself better so maybe mm-hmm. like the first step is to get to know your defenses like what defense do i use like how do i behave why did i do it did i want to do it or did it happen mm-hmm. like subconsciously and impulsively maybe like then by being mindful trying like to stay in the present moment maybe even write your thoughts and feelings and actions and do the connection yeah i definitely agree um so yeah do you have anything else to add on this topic or any uh last thought you want to share so i think we have to be like kind 
with ourselves because when we developed our ego, we didn't really want to create, to develop this in this way. So maybe we should try to sow more compassion, compassion to ourselves. And first of all, like to love ourselves before we love everybody, anybody else. And then I think everything is easier to be accepted or to be changed for us. So yes, I would, I would say that before like, before like all of these steps, we should like show some compassion to ourselves and to our timing and to start something when we really feel ready to move forward. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I really like this conversation. I think we, uh, you shared so much about what uh, the ego is and so many things that I never, like that I didn't know or that I didn't think about that deeply. And um, yeah, I think it, it just gives a lot of like food for thought in terms of um, perhaps possible future situations that may trigger emotions inside of us and like us being able to spot that um, they're more ego-oriented feelings and uh that's just much better to show yourself in a more naked and like vulnerable way um it's better for you but also for the people around you so I guess we can close off by saying that we hope that you can find this courage within yourself to um fight the ego defenses and um live a less ego oriented life even though accepting that a little bit of ego will always say a little a little bit inside of us and that also makes us human so that's also okay thank you so um, much thank for, you. <laughs> sorry for having me here with you <laughs> thank you so much for joining shrink it out and uh, always adding so much valuable content to our mission um see you in the next episode <laughs>